0: we're going to conclude our sermon series on against all odds this morning we've looked at some people who gave us an example of how to live a life not by the odds but against all odds today we're going to finish with a sermon called praying against all odds and we'll get to that in a minute we have a lot of things to be praying for uh, as you saw in our prayer time earlier praying for our mission trip praying for kids camp pretty soon falls creek will be here middle school and high school this year there'll be Two Falls Creeks which will be different for our church but also next Sunday we are presenting to the church a candidate in call to be our next associate pastor we don't do that often and so it may be unfamiliar with how we do that as a church we interview we have a personnel committee which was a search committee they have landed on a candidate they believe fills that role well Uh, that candidate and his wife will be with us next Saturday and Sunday on Saturday there will be two meetings if you're an ABF leader or a deacon you'll meet with the candidate and his wife on Saturday at two o'clock and then if you are church family and not one of those two groups you can come at four o'clock and you'll get to hear their testimony you'll get to hear about their ministry and you'll have a chance to ask any question you want to ask about that potential candidate then on Sunday uh, that person will be filling the pulpit in both services he'll preach in view of a call we will take a vote at the end of each service and on Monday because we're in two services we will notify the church by email so we want to be praying all this week about God's will in that matter that's a big thing for our church also we're starting to get ready for mission trips again it's time to get back in the field we've been kind of hunkered down due to COVID now we're going to go back to our mission fields in October uh, pray about going to New York City we'll be going there in uh, fall break week and helping them with their fall festival and preparations for that. That'll be this October of 2023. There'll be more details coming. Also, you're being invited to a breakfast to learn about going on a trip in 2023 to Burundi. Burundi is the home nation of our mission pastor, John Niendiko. We commissioned him about a year ago to plant a church here in our city for African refugees. And I believe eight different African nations are now represented in that church. They've grown to be 50 or 60 in attendance. They reach a lot of students that are in our colleges as well as refugees that have landed here in our city. And uh, John is leading a trip to Burundi in 2023. We're going to try to partner that with our Zambia trip. We will be going back to Zambia in 2023. So we're looking for some doctors. We're looking for those who want to go on mission and also those who might want to do Bible teaching classes for pastors in Burundi. We're looking at combining where somebody could go to Burundi for two or three days, four days, and then join the team in Zambia and get two mission trips in one, or you can just spend it either in Zambia or Burundi. If you want to know more about how you could serve at Burundi, you can come to a breakfast on Saturday the 25th. It's out at Hidden Treasures. The address is at the bottom of the screen. We do kind of need to know, so we have enough breakfast ready. You can just email the church, write it on a communication card, Or uh, email us whatever you need to do all right those are some things to be praying about well if you have your Bibles let's start turning to the book of James James chapter 5 we're gonna learn about praying against all odds now if we were all real honest in this room we all feel inadequate when it comes to prayer or frustrated in our prayer life have you ever felt like your prayers were just falling on deaf ears Or have you ever felt like you were wasting your time praying because you've prayed before and nothing's ever changed? Have you ever been at a point in your prayer life where you just felt like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even feel like I'm a a good person of prayer. Satan loves to beat us up. He loves to rob us of that intimate connection with the God who does the impossible. And James writes, James chapter 5, the last part of verse 16, take a look at it. A verse maybe you're familiar with, but a verse you want to quickly write, read past, and I'll show you why. James said, "The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much." When we read that verse, we can be familiar with the verse, uh, but if you're not careful, you can read that verse and move past it because it's too convicting. Uh, because we look at that and say, "Well, man, my my prayer life just doesn't seem very effective. I, I don't feel like my prayer life is accomplishing much." or we see that word righteous and we say well man I don't even feel like a righteous person God can't be listening to my prayers I'm not good enough like somebody else in this room I'm just not righteous enough and Satan paralyzes us with misunderstanding the truth of this verse those two words I want to look at a little bit deeper the word James uses effective what we've translated effective is different than what you might expect you see it isn't your ability to pray or not pray, it isn't how long you pray or how good you pray or what words you pray that make that prayer answered, it's the God we pray to. So it isn't our effectiveness in prayer, so what does that word effective mean? If you break it down in the Greek it literally is a word e-n-e-r-g-e-o, energio. What that is, it's where we get our English word energy. It, It speaks of this divine passion, divine power, this divine energy that's present in our heart, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and, and birthing in our heart the desire to pray for something impossible, something that only God can do and it's, it's a God effectiveness in his church as he fills us with his spirit. It's not your effectiveness, it's his effectiveness as we effectively give him control of our lives. Well, as we uh, find ourselves connecting with God in that and exerting this dynamis power that Holy Spirit power of prayer we join God in praying for his will to be done but then we disqualify ourselves because we look at that word righteous and we say well that's not me that's somebody else I'm not righteous well let me give you the definition for the word righteous here if you break it down in the Greek it means those who have submitted to God's standard of living It doesn't mean we're perfect there's not a perfect person in this room if so none of us could pray but there is a perfect God who is creating within us a heart of prayer and a desire to pray and as we connect in the power of the Holy Spirit we then as we're submitted under the Lordship of Christ we engage in that prayer. So don't let the enemy rob you of a prayer life, and don't let the enemy put you on the sidelines and say, well, other people pray, and you're not good enough. No, the Bible says all of us should be engaging. Let me show it to you, scripturally, what happened in the New Testament church. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. What we're going to find is the early church. They don't have any precedent. They don't have any forefathers of faith. They're learning how to walk by faith. They're learning what it means to be the New Testament church and they're under great attack. They are not liked and they are not wanted. They're under great persecution. Herod the Great wants them wiped out. He doesn't want them. They're they're considered troublemakers because all the Jews are upset about these followers of Christ. And so as we look in on the story, an early young church, it says in verse one, that it was at the time when Herod the king laid hands on some of those who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. We're talking about persecution. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Now remember there were the 12 disciples, uh, actually the 11. Judas was never really a genuine disciple. We find that among them there were the three, uh, the super spiritual ones. Peter, who else? James and John they were considered the leaders of the leaders they were considered uh the ones that were the closest to Christ and and so Herod the Great being this brilliant politician realizing if he wanted favor with the Jewish people of his providence that he was over that he needed to make them happy and the best way to make them happy was take out the kingpins of this thing called Christianity the very first one that he had success was taking out James the brother of John the crowds responded well You see, gas prices were high in his days, too. Uh, They were paying way too much money for bread and eggs. Uh, His polls were even lower than what our current president is experiencing. And he knew if he's going to get a bump in the polls, he needed to do something politically cool. And so he went after James. He hasn't put to death. And man, his numbers soared. Man, he was legendary. Everybody was singing his praises. And they were all excited about their king. Well, when he saw, look at verse 3, when he saw that it pleased the Jews... He then proceeded to arrest Peter you got to take it up another notch go for the number one guy and so he had Peter arrested and he was going to do the same to Peter he did to John but he had to wait because it was the season of unleavened bread so when he seized Peter verse 4 he put him in prison he delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to then bring him out before the people then he would do his political business so Peter was kept in prison, the prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. The church didn't just say done, the church just didn't say well it's gonna happen to Peter the same that happened to James, no they kept praying and they kept praying to God of the impossible because this does not look very possible. Uh, Peter's now surrounded not just by a guard but by four squads of guards. It's going to be impossible. They couldn't plan a breakout. They couldn't figure out how to fix the problem, but they didn't give up. They prayed. I wonder today, how many of us in this room have a problem like Peter, a situation that looks impossible and we've given up, or we've just assumed, I'll pray about it, but we still have drawn the conclusion we're probably wasting our time, that's impossible, I want us to look in this because this is a great example of somebody who was facing impossible odds a situation that couldn't be any more grim than what Peter was facing he is facing a death sentence and his is way worse than James he's got four squads to make sure this thing's gonna happen now why in the world did they go to that kind of trouble we're gonna see that in a minute but before we see the problem I want you to see the precedent. I want you to see what the church looked like when it was birthed. I want to show you a history of a church that understood why they existed and what to do. If you have your places, hold uh, hold it there in Acts 12. Go to the very first chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 13. Right before Pentecost, Jesus has been crucified. He's lost his life like James. Many thought that would be the end of Christianity. They've gotten rid of the false prophet Jesus and now everything else would die out. Well, the disciples continued to meet as Jesus had told them to. He told them to go to an upper room and to wait for the Holy Spirit, that he would birth his church and they were to wait and they were to pray. So look at this. When they entered the city, they went up to the upper room just as Jesus had told them. There was Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James and these all were with one mind and they were watch this continually devoting themselves to prayer. Things looked pretty impossible then too. This Jesus thing didn't work out like we thought it to be. We spent three years following this messiah and he's dead. We must have fallen after the wrong guy. No, they didn't give up. They didn't cave. They understood how to function devoted to prayer. Acts chapter 2 then, as they received the Holy Spirit, Peter would then preach the very first sermon, the gospel. In verse 42, we see what the church was beginning to develop into. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? Go ahead and feel like you're participating in church. And to what? prayer they were devoted all those things and we should be we should be gathering together they did they gathered together we should be breaking bread we (laughs) thank you Jesus for calories right we should have potlucks we should have fellowships we should get there and we should be doing those things as the body of Christ and we learned the value of that coming out of COVID and yet there was more to it there was a divine purpose as they came together they were also continually devoting themselves to prayer there's a weakness in the church in america today it's not our attendance even though that's declining in western christianity our challenge is we're not devoted to prayer with each other we may be praying individually we may be praying when we're in trouble but i believe one of the weaknesses in any church today and even our church can be the fact that we don't gather enough together and devote ourselves to prayer romans chapter 12 verse 10 says be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor it's easy to gather together but it's very difficult to be spiritual together it's easy to come together to church and find things to distract us and reasons to be disappointed and and we can look at each other and say well man they didn't say hi to me first and we can get all the they didn't make the coffee strong enough why don't we have donuts we can get so much distraction going on and forget why we're together we are here together to make a difference in this world to seek a king and glorify him and serve him in his kingdom. Verse 11 says, we're not to be lagging behind in diligence. We're to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejo- rejoicing in hope, preserving or persevering in tribulation, and being devoted to prayer. As I've worked through this message, I've had to repent myself this week. Maybe I'm not the pastor I need to be right now or have been and, and what I should be to you as a congregation. It's difficult to gather us together. It's difficult to find times for us to pray together. That doesn't happen like it should and like we see it in the New Testament church. And that's something we all need to repent of is Lord forgive us for being devoted to so many things but not the thing. And what the New Testament church had is they had a power unlike any other. They had a power because they were devoted to connect Him with God in that energetic spiritual connection with the Lord to see Him do impossible things. Ephesians 6:18 says, "With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. We're to pray about everything, for everyone, all the time. Do we qualify? Are we obedient? Can we check all three of those boxes and say we're praying at all times we're praying together we're praying for all things and we're even praying for the impossible so back to Acts chapter 12. there's your history lesson there's what you see in the New Testament church may we see that in the church today and so the church had a problem Peter verse 5 says he was being kept in prison that didn't stop him from praying oh wait we just got a report back um, we need to pray harder because now we're not just praying for Peter to get out of prison he's got four squads assigned to him I mean this ain't going to change this is messed up we got to pray and so they started praying fervently and they prayed together and they kept praying and they kept praying and I would say to you as you've often heard a healthy church is not how many people show up on a Sunday not how many buildings are the size of buildings on a campus not the size of what's given in an offering but the gauge of a healthy church is the prayer ministry and the prayer life of a church you read about it acts 1 acts 2 romans what could be written about his church today in america what could be written about our church would god be able to say there was a people devoted to prayer a people who prayed for one another and prayed for the impossible well this church was it says in verse 4 that they had seized him and 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 they were waiting to do something with peter because of what was going on religiously but why four squads of soldiers why so much assigned to one man well there's a reason you can hold your place you don't have to necessarily turn there but in acts chapter 5 we learn peter's been in prison before it's in his first prison ministry as he shows up in prison acts chapter 5 earlier it says that at the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were t- taking place among the people they were all with one accord. Verse 14 says, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly being added to their number. So all the religious people in town, the Jews who are watching all these people flock into this thing called Christianity, they're getting upset. In verse 17 it says, the high priest rose up along with all of his associates in the sect of the Sadducees. They were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and they put them in a public jail. But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and so we wake up now in chapter 12 they remember how God has done the impossible before but man this time it's really gonna be impossible and every one of us in here are a testimony where God has answered prayer before every one of us can think of a time where God did something we thought he would never do he delivered us and he did this if nothing else when he saved you that was impossible or so I thought, God, there's no way you could save a guy like me, and he did. There have been other times when I look back and, and God delivered us from things, I could go on and on, and so could probably you, and yet we find something new in our life that is so impossible, it's one of those things that's just not going to change. Have you convinced yourself of that very thing, that the odds are stacked against you? Well, it'd be very easy for the church to say, yeah, we know God got him out once, but man, this time he's done. Man, Herod's too strong. He's already proven it. He's already taken out James. We just need to pray that it goes peacefully for Peter. They could have prayed that way. But the Bible says they prayed against all odds. They prayed for God to do the impossible. But did you know you can do the right thing and still not have the right heart? Look at it. Go to verse six. On that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward now remember what's been happening the church has been praying and they just didn't have a prayer request in church on Sunday morning they had gathered at Mary's house and they had kept praying and praying and praying and they were praying every day all day and they kept praying they weren't going to stop seeking the God of the impossible and it says when Herod was about to bring him forward Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains guards in front of the door were watching over the prison and it's his last night on earth and what's he doing? he requesting not requesting a last meal he isn't walking about and pacing and saying oh God please God uh, you got to deliver me he wasn't all nervous and anxious the dude's sleeping because he's at peace it doesn't matter what's going to happen to him God's got it one way or the other either he's going to release him again from prison Or he's going to release them from this earth how many would rather be released from this earth right now come on he's sleeping like a baby the bible says in verse 7 an angel of the lord suddenly appeared the church had been praying the church has been praying i think the church was starting to lose its faith maybe you have as well and i prayed forever guys. i remember from the day i was saved 1981 half this audience wasn't even on the planet and I was praying for my dad Father's Day Pray for a dad who was a cool dad I love my dad he was a great man a good man but he was a lost man he didn't know the Lord or anything about God he did his best to raise me and my brother and did a, as good a job as any man without the Lord could do I got saved in my junior year of high school and I started praying for my dad. I surrendered to the ministry in 1984. I started praying and continued to pray for my dad. I came to Putnam City Baptist Church, it was the first place I got to serve God on a staff as a youth intern, I was still praying for my dad, 1986. Became the youth pastor over time, served here seven years, kept praying for my dad. Moved on from church to church. My dad would come to church every once in a while. We'd move to another city. My dad and mom would come and visit and they would be in church. Occasionally, I'd get to preach and he'd come hear me preached. Man, I'd preach my guts out just praying that would be the day my dad would be saved. Never got saved. Started having kids. Became a pastor. Parents were gonna move to Tulsa where my dad had grown up and he was gonna be there at church and they decided not to move to Tulsa kept praying for my dad from 1981 until two years ago my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer he only had weeks to live and I'd spent all these years praying and I can be honest there were times in my heart I thought my dad my dad just is never gonna get saved I've prayed Lord Lord why am I am I not praying the right prayers God why is he not saved went down to, you've heard part of this story, many of you have heard it before, but I went down to share Christ with my dad, and my dad was a very private man. I know if anybody else was around, he would never open up and talk deeply or talk about his heart or about a God at salvation. Went down and got just like no door ever opened, and I left there knowing my dad only had a couple of weeks to live and thinking, God, what a scumbag I am to leave and let my dad just head his way to hell. I got home and I wrote a letter to my dad. I shared my testimony and said, know you're a private man dad and we've you've heard my story and you know how i've prayed for you and i've helped people all over this nation find forgiveness with god and god forbid that i'd leave my dad without that same opportunity and so i shared my story and wrote it and left it to my dad and mailed it to him and didn't know if he'd even read would read it went back two weeks later and by that time he was really bad and we were having to check him into an assisted living uh almost hospice my mom happened to leave for uh, just a little while to go get some groceries and it was just me and my dad my dad said Bill come here I want to talk more about what you wrote to me I need to know more about this Jesus and however long that's been 40 some years of praying 40 years of frustration 40 years of wanting to quit and just assume he's just lost and never going to get it my dad accepted Christ a week before he would go to heaven i give god the glory it wasn't my effective prayer it wasn't because i was a super righteous dude because i'm a pastor trust me i'm i'm least of the righteous at times ask howard we played golf yesterday in a tournament he could tell you but it ain't about us it's about him and it's about the god of the impossible and it's about god who wants to do impossible things through you and in your life don't quit It doesn't matter how dark the hour it doesn't matter if it's at the last hour look at what it says here the angel suddenly appeared and when did he appear at that last hour sometimes it's like that and sometimes it's at that last moment but God always shows up Peter was sleeping so soundly it says the angel had to kick him in the side to wake him up can you imagine this dude's about to die he's sleeping like a baby so much the angel has to kick him alive he comes up out of that deep slumber you've been there and he's wondering is this real is this really or am I just having a dream what's going on and the angel tells him get up follow me and he does and he has a hard time even Peter had a hard time recognizing when God was at work verse 11 says when Peter came to himself when he finally realized whoa this is really happening god's really moving he came to himself there's some people in here that need to come to themselves there's some people that need to wake up maybe the holy spirit's got to give you a gut kick this morning just like he had to do with me and my dad maybe he needs to kick you back awake to say i am the god of the impossible you got to trust me and you got to let me do what i do i am the god of the impossible do you need a gut kick peter did i did Peter said I know for sure now that the Lord has sent forth his angel that he has rescued me from the hand of Herod from all that the Jewish people were expecting and when he realized this he went to the house of Mary the mother of John who was also called Mark where many were gathered together and were praying. Here it is round two and these prison cells got nothing on the Lord They can't hold me. They can't hold down my God. We got this. And he's walking out. And the first place he goes, where does he go? He goes where the people are praying. He didn't go to the bar to celebrate with the buddies. He didn't go to the golf course to get in some time on the greens. He went running to the people of prayer. And so he shows up at the house and he begins knocking on the door. Look at it. Verse 13. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. She was probably supposed to check to make sure it was safe to let anybody in because there were others in Herod's little army that were trying to persecute other Christians and so she's probably going to make sure that this was a safe visitor. When she got to the gate she recognized Peter's voice. Joy leapt up in her heart so much so she was so overwhelmed. God had done the impossible. She, have you ever been there? You just kind of freak out and you don't know what to do and so you just do something. Instead of opening the door and getting Peter in where it was safe, she goes running to the rest of the group and yelling and screaming, Peter's here, Peter's at the gate, I heard his voice. All those people were on the ground, their faces before the Lord, distraught and crying out to God because he only had minutes to live. The intensity, that energy we talked about earlier, fervent prayer, man, they're all spread out and they're praying their guts out and they hear this praise report. Their prayers have been answered Peter has been set free they jumped up and they began to high-five and celebrate and hug and embrace shouting glory to God and they went running to embrace Peter It's not how it reads look at verse 15 this is crazy they said to Rhoda as they're praying can you see him praying Lord man deliver Peter God we believe in this is how we pray God we believe you do the impossible Rhoda. What? Peter's at the gate? That's impossible. You're crazy, lady. Look at what they said. You have lost your mind. You don't even know what you're talking about. That's not possible. Does that not freak you out? They're praying for what is happening, and then it happens, and it's not happening. We do that all the time. They kept insisting, she kept insisting to him, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you got to go see, you got to go see. And they kept saying, now they get real spiritual, watch this. They explain it away. Oh, that's just an angel. Well, dude, even if it's an angel, aren't you going to the gate? (sighs) But we can do the right things, as I said earlier, we can be doing all the right things, but with the wrong heart. Praying to God of the impossible, but all along knowing, i'm just doing what i'm supposed to do that's what the preacher tells me to do at church that's what my mom always told me i need to be praying pray for the god of the impossible but we don't believe that god does impossible things god forgive us god help us in our unbelief now think about this we just picture those people praying on the ground we see them spiritualizing everything and justifying away why rhoda's out of her mind who was out of their mind they were actually probably Peter was can you imagine Peter (laughs) Peter's on the outside and he's a hunted wanted man and he's begging to get inside where it's safe and they've left him locked out can't you see Peter banging on that door saying come on you pagans open the door hey I've got ice cream I would have done anything to get in amen there's Peter he's out in the open man he's an open mark and he just needs to get inside so verse 16 says Peter kept knocking and finally in their unbelief they got up and they went to the door because Rhoda wouldn't shut up. They opened the door and they saw Peter and here's the sad part of that verse look at the last part of the verse and they rejoiced what does it say they were amazed they're blown away am I seeing what I'm seeing it's impossible what were you praying for then why were you on your face for days and amazed that the God of the impossible did what he does praying against all odds don't just pray because you're supposed to don't just pray because you need to pray because God does the impossible We're going to do something I've never done in 30-some-odd years of, well, I probably did it with student ministry, never done it as a pastor. And you're going to think, is this really a Baptist church? It's going to be different. But we need to do what we need to do in that energy of the Holy Spirit. And there are some people here who have some impossible things in their life. We did it in the first service. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment with me, if you would. What good is a sermon just to learn a story if it doesn't become our story what good is it to know the facts that God is the God of the impossible but not let God do the impossible let's don't be like the church in Acts chapter 12 let's be like the church in Acts chapter 2 Let's be like the church in Acts chapter 1, that we devote ourselves to prayer. And if you have something impossible in your life, something you've been praying for, something you've quit praying for, something you thought, well, I don't need to pray for that because that's impossible. If you have a need in your life, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to stand up right where you are. You say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to draw attention to myself. People's heads are going to be bowed. People are going to be praying. We start seeing people pop up all over in the first service. I was kind of scared to do this because I thought nobody's going to jump up. Nobody will pop up. But every one of us have something impossible in our life. Every one of us could pop up. And I'm going to ask you, if you need the church to pray with you, if you have something impossible going on in your story, I'm going to ask you to pop up right now. Anybody? There's one. Several. Praise God. You just stay up on your feet for a moment. You say I don't know how I can do that it seems weird hey, how are we going to know to pray if we don't know there's a need stay on your feet it's going to take all the church this morning it's going to take all of us and I think I saw the Meredith's out there we certainly want to be joining them as they're praying for Merrick and for their family and so there are some back there I hope I'm not putting you guys on the spot but I love you guys we're praying for a miracle so what I'm going to ask you to do now is look around the room. You might have to move on a Sunday morning. I'm sorry, but God's going to energize this. We need prayer warriors right now. You find somebody who's standing up. You go and you put a hand on their shoulder right now. You find somebody all over this room. I need prayer warriors. Come on now. Be the church devoted to prayer. You find somebody and they may share with you and say, this is how you can pray for us or for me. If they don't, say, just pray. You just pray. God knows what what they need, but we need to come together. Pray for one another. If you're standing and there's a lot of people moving now, and we've lost, just hold your hand up if nobody's got a hand on your shoulder yet. Keep your hand high so we can find you. Down front. Somebody else. Keep your hand up high so we can find you. All over this space. There's one back towards the back here. There was a sound booth there's a hand up somebody get there and right now I want you to fervently pray to the God of the impossible I want you to pray for God to do what only God can do and it isn't the effectiveness of your prayers it's effectiveness of a God who does the impossible and if you're sitting down somewhere you can pray for them even though your hand's not on their shoulder and maybe you need to be praying for something in your own life you pray but right now let's pray for the impossible Shout it out to heaven if you need to. Pray in your spirit if you want. Whatever you need to do, let's pray and I'll close this in just a minute.